0: This is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, Today, I am with my friend, Mandy Hart, and uh, we're talking over Zoom, as one does these days, and I'm so glad that my little Zoom window is opening up to her in South Africa. So welcome, Mandy
1: Thank you, Joel. It's good to be with you today.
0: Um, Mandy, talk to us a little bit about where you live and what it's like there right now in the middle of COVID-19.
1: Yes, I live right at the bottom of South Africa in a little town called Stellenbosch. It's the vineyard region of South Africa, and I'm surrounded by vines and olive groves. It's a really beautiful community. Um, COVID-19 is wreaking havoc across South Africa. I think it's more of an economic crisis in our country than necessarily a medical crisis, although it is that too. But South Africa is battling with unprecedented levels of unemployment, hopelessness, um, the townships are battling. So it, it is a tough time for our country in many ways, but there are also good things happening. We're hearing stories of families being restored and you know, parents reconnecting with their kids in different ways. But it's interesting days in South Africa for sure.
0: How how long have you been there Mandy?
1: In Stellenbosch. Mm -hmm. We've lived in Stellenbosch for about a year and a half. Uh, Prior to that we lived in a little also seaside village called Nortok where we led a missions organization Um, but we moved here about a year and a half ago. I have two kids, uh, one in university and one in matric and it's been a beautiful journey living here. We have really enjoyed the community, the people of Stellenbosch have welcomed us, and it's just such a beautiful town to live.
0: Oh, wonderful, I've seen pictures. I know I've been like, oh my goodness, it's beautiful everywhere you look. (laughs) So so Mandy, you joined the Order a couple of years ago. Tell us about your journey towards joining the Order of the Mustard Seed. What, What drew you to it? Um, well, Jill, it was actually you because I remember I met you on
1: that little bench in Geneva in Switzerland. Oh, the accidental, not accident <laughs> meeting. That was divine appointment. That was amazing. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. the <laughs> during our lunchtime break or something. And I remember you and I went for a walk um, when we went to that one monastery, or was it a monastery or community? I, I can't remember exactly. And then you just started talking to me about it. And um exploring it. I started to research it for myself and I really felt that this was something that I wanted to explore because I resonated so deeply with the three vows. I felt like it was already how I was living but I'd love to, I wanted to actually make it more,
0: cemented, more in my life so to speak. So that was how I came upon the journey. So talk to me about how it's helped cement it more in your life because I think that's a journey for a lot of people. We see the three vows and we're like well, I said yes to that when I became a Christian, right? Being true to Christ and kind to of people and carrying the gospel. So how has joining the order helped it make make it more primary in your, in your life? Well,
1: um, I think, you know, having this ring, every time I look at it, it literally reminds me of it. But kindness for me is something that I never spoke about too much in the past. It was always love God, love your neighbor, love the lost. But kindness t- takes it a little bit further. And so it's more of an internal working of your heart. And so it shapes a lot of how I treat my kids, my husband, my friends, when I'm driving in the road, how I feel about traffic around me. <laughs> but it really, you know, to be kind to man is something that I think this world lacks. We need more kindness. So that kind of is at the forefront of my mind. Um, going to the nations has always been something that I've dreamt of and loved and done. Um, and being as part of the vows is something that now we intentionally cultivate in our home. For example, um, we make meals from different countries and um, almost every night we pray for that nation. So if we make Mexican, we pray for Mexico. If we make Thai food, we pray for Thailand. <laughs> you know, if we make, um, I don't know, British food, we'll pray for <laughs> Britain. So, or South Africa, whatever. So we're developing that in our children. And then to be true to Christ, it kind of just centers you and it keeps pulling you back to why you started following Jesus. And it's something that we can often forget because we get so caught up in the busyness of life. Um, And for me, the order has just slowed my life down a little bit, which has been very helpful.
0: Oh, it slowed your life down a little bit. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about what, what that's looked like for you.
1: Yeah, so you probably gathered by listening to my voice, I speak fast and my family always tease me because they say, Mandy, you eat fast, you run fast. You know, um, on an Enneagram, I'm a seven and just, you know, life is, I got to squeeze everything out of life and the Lord has taken me on a long journey, particularly when I was doing the year of preparation on living an unhurried life and learning to slow down to be present. So it's been a practice that I've been cultivating for a couple of years. Uh, I'm learning it. I'm, I'm better than what I was. Uh, but it's really been a beautiful journey for me because learning to live an unhurried life takes intention and it takes a certain amount of discipline. And because these vows encompass that as well and the practices, it really slows me down because it says, okay, I'm exploring, you know, prayer or learning or creativity how can I be present in this and be focused on this right now?
0: Mm-hmm. Learning how to be right here, right now. Yeah, it helps us with that, doesn't it? Um, so talk to me about, I think with every member, we love to sort of dig a little bit into one of the practices that has been particularly potent for them, which they've been digging into and exploring and and deepening um, as a result of being part of the order. And so for you, I think we... You know, you said the practice of creativity uh, was one that was really meaningful for you. So talk to me about what does that look like in your own life? How has it shaped and developed over the last couple of years? Mm, thank you, Jill.
1: That's a really good question. Um, creativity is a high value for us in the heart household, in our family. Um, I married a very creative man, a a leader. Um, He's very artistic as well. And in the beginning, I thought creativity and artistic ability were the same thing. And then many years back, I realized it isn't. You know, just because I can only draw stick figures doesn't mean I'm not creative. (laughs) And so I went on a journey a while back of exploring what does creativity look like for me? Because as a mom, I can be creative in the way I parent. I can be creative in the way I speak, the way I dress, meals I cook, the way I lead. Um, the things I write, you know, whatever I do, I can explore creativity and I can live a creative life. And I think a creative life for me is a curious life. You you remain curious about the things um, in this world and, you know, constantly as we read scripture to remain curious about what am I reading and that breeds creativity. And, you know, i kind of feel if we have the Holy Spirit within us and God is all creative, then believers should be the most creative people on the planet in every sphere of society. So this vow for me is a really, or this practice is a really joyful one and one that, as I've led code for the past two years, has been one of the highlights actually of our studies every year has been the practice of creativity and how to develop that journey in our lives. The passage, Joel, in Isaiah 8 verse 11 um, and it's something the Lord has been speaking to me about for probably a year or two, where Lord says to him, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does.
0: Hmm. And it carries
1: on and it explains other things. But it's just that thought that in the practice of creativity, to not think like everyone else does, to allow the Holy Spirit to infuse us with his creativity. And the, then we start to explore it based on how we are wired not to look like anyone else next to us, but based on who we are and what makes us come alive. Living creatively like that, I think, brings joy to our hearts and our souls and strengthens the relationships around us. And it infuses your entire life with, I think, greater joy, because when we're creative, it just brings life.
0: So you've not only practiced that yourself, but you've built it in and there's a bunch of family practices sort of embedded in that. What does it look like for you? You talked about cooking creatively and um, but building creativity into the lives of your children. What's that exploration been like? Tell us a bit.
1: Mm, well, we really believe in intentional parenting. And so since our kids were young, now bear in mind, they're late teens. And um, since they were little, we spoke to them about how to be creative. You know, the, based on the ways they are bent, what makes them come alive. And we, we constantly expose them to different forms of creativity, to different elements um, from art, to woodworking, to gardening, to different people from different walks of life. Our home has been open to people from basically every continent and they've grown up with different nations around the dinner table and seeing how different nations express themselves. Uh, we, In terms of even the decor around our home, we, we cultivate that kind of thing. So it's been something that we've intentionally developed and try to develop in our children and spoke it over them, that they are creative, drawing creativity in writing you know, when I, you know, when I mentor other people as well. So it's just something that our kids have, I think have grown up with, and it'll be interesting to see how they adapt it or take it on in their lives when they move out of home because they have a choice now as they hit their late teens or early 20s when eventually they get married one day. Will they adopt our values that we've put into them or how will they let it shape to become theirs? So time will tell.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. I think it's so important for those of us who have children, you know, as we've got these opportunities as, as we've gone on a journey of exploration of these practices, how we can invite our families and and our, in particular our children on the journey as well. So that I, I remember when I was taking vows, <laughs> my husband was so excited because because vowing to be kind, <laughs> he was like, hallelujah. <laughs> and so, you know, so so me living into, you know, the vows and the practices and the context of my home. I mean, our 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 aspiration, our delight is that that we would infect those we live with, with the grace that we're carrying, that we would enrich their lives as our lives are being enriched. And, and that as we flourish because of this sort of structure and support, this rule of life that we've got, that it brings flourishing to the lives around us. So it sounds to me like that's what you've because are built into your home and to your children as well. We're gonna talk in a moment about your creativity and writing, um, And but I have a question. I'm curious about creativity and fear. Yes, Um, And so maybe let's let's talk about your book first and then we'll come back to that question about creativity and fear, um, because I, I think that would be an interesting little exploration. So you create all kinds of ways. And one of the ways that you create is you write. So tell me about that. Well yeah,
1: it started a couple of years back in about twenty sixteen. Um, I was in what we called prayer furnace at the time. We were leading the missions organization and we were praying for the nations. And during that time I felt the Holy Spirit whispered to my ear and said, Mandy, take out your journal. I want to give you an outline for a book. So I took out my notebook, wrote that chapters outline, and a few months later I started writing it, approached a publisher. You know, they wanted it. It was a parenting book called Parenting with Courage. I interviewed over 100 families across the world. And, um, yeah, it just kind of just was something that was birthed within me. I think my heart has always been to see families thrive and, you know, families flourish. And so this book is really in line with what my heart is. Um, and it's something that I've ministered in four years but it just kind of was something that I started to grow into and um, so I wrote that book I did a parenting journal and uh, along the way I was in an armed robbery you know, with my daughter here in South Africa it was a really traumatic event for us yeah and goes without saying um so men came in and tied me up while I lay on top of her and uh, struggled with fear after that because we were leading a missions organization where we sent people across the world to unreached people groups. It involved a lot of travel. And funny enough, I slept better when I was away from home than when I was at home, probably because of what happened. And I went on a journey of dealing with fear and started ministering in that area across the world. Uh, Jordan in the Middle East, Scotland in... Hamburg in Mozambique in townships in South Africa, and I, I learned all that fear is very looks the same all over the world. It just it's the same spirit. It just comes across differently in different cultures. Um, and I ended up writing a book on that one too because I just felt like it was a healing journey for me to just explore my healing. But also, I realized I had something that I could offer others. It was a way to serve people and saying this is how I've conquered fear in different forms. This is some of the tools that the Lord has shown me. And God was so gracious and kind in that He walked very gently with me. And I think being part of the order during my recovery period from this trauma as well was very, very helpful because exploring the practices of learning and of prayer and even justice and all these things, it just, I don't know, it just kind of kept drawing me back to God in a very private way. I find being part of the order is something for me. It's not something I go and advertise to everybody saying, hey, I'm part of all of the mustard seed. It's just very much a very personal journey of growth. So so linking that to writing, I think just, yeah, fear. um, That book is something I brought out earlier
0: this year, and we'll see where it takes me. So you're talking about writing being part of your healing. Uh, Talk to us a little bit more about your, your creativity, your writing process, um, and uh, and even what that is like for you in terms of what happens on the inside and in your own restoration. I have lots of ideas.
1: Oh, my word. I, I have to actually find <laughs> <stop> my brain. <laughs> I have so many ideas all the time. And if it's in the writing sphere, oh, I've got about 20 books inside of me of things I could write. Doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean I will do it but I'm also really a visual learner. And so learning about creativity a few years back and exploring it, I discovered the the ways that I process things. So one of them is through running. When I run, I think, I pray often my best prayers, Um, I ask God lots of questions and I listen. And then I come down and I often do spider diagrams, flow charts with sticky notes in my notebook. I love writing things up by hand. I guess it's quite tactile. But for me, that kind of all feeds into it. Um, and then I pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is telling me around that writing project. Uh, I often ask the Lord for a prophetic word for what I'm writing and what does he want to do in not only my life, but in the reader's lives when they read it, if I am to release it. And. Um, uh, try really partner closely with the Lord and, and not to think like that as our passage, as everyone else thought, but to think how God would want me to think and what he would want me to say that would bring joy and healing and be an encouragement to others. So the creative process is um, quite varied for me. You know, it's it's like I'm moving while I'm thinking, I'm doing drawings, flow charts, I read up on stuff. I talk to people, I even make voice notes on my phone with the ideas. I generally have a notebook per writing project. And so that is full of my thoughts and ideas and quotes and scriptures. Um, And I I often use a lot of different colors as well. And just, I just see what kind of emerges and then I kind of submit it to the Lord as an offering and say, God, what do you want me to do with what I've written? Um, And then take it from there. Sorry. another thing is to wait on him for timing. Uh, Realize that you can have a lot of ideas and do a lot of things, and you know, God can speak to you through a creative process, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to come out today or tomorrow. You could say to you, wait, and, and you have to be okay with that waiting because sometimes in the waiting, things brew and they develop like a good cup of coffee. It takes a little bit of time um, to come out, and yeah. I think we have to learn to be patient with
0: waiting too. Yeah, no, fantastic, wonderful, patient in the waiting. Uh, let's just wrap this up by talking a little bit about fear in creativity. Uh, mm. and creativity. And um, I think that's oftentimes my experience as, as a writer myself and with other creative people. Fear can be sort of the biggest blockage to creativity. So talk to me about, about that. Mm. Yeah, fear
1: I can talk for hours on this one, Jill, but fear and love cannot coexist in the same space in our brain and God has not given us a spirit of fear. Therefore, when we give into fear, whether it's fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of losing face, fear of you know, violence, whatever fear it is, fear of trying this creative project and people wouldn't want it or they would laugh at you, fear of ridicule, it really makes us build cages and walls around our hearts and our minds. And I believe it blocks the creative process because you have to put that aside and say, well, if I'm loved and God loves me, there's nothing that can separate me from his love. I could explore everything because success and failure is not, my self-esteem is not affected by success or failure. Who I am as a follower of Jesus is a daughter and I'm in the kingdom. And therefore I can explore these things and try them out. um, And I don't have to give in to fear. So I think, really do think fear is a blockage, but it's, you can overcome it because God has given you power and love and a sound mind, ability to think clearly. So we are able to embrace that creative process when we say to the Lord, God, I'm not going to give in to fear, whether it's fear of rejection, failure, fear of being ridiculed, whatever it might be. I'm going to embrace living out of who you've made me to be for your glory uh, with wild abandon. And I really believe then creativity will emerge in ways that you haven't experienced before. And I've seen that. It's not that I'm just talking this and sprouting hot air. I really have experienced that as God's healed me from fear. I know that he can do it for you too, or anyone else in the world who battles with fear.
0: Oh, wonderful. So good. So Mandy, I'm wondering if, as we kind of bring this to a close, if you could pray for our listeners, particularly those who maybe are, are, have a hope that they could be creative somehow (laughs) and not sure how they can bring that in the world. And for those who would love to be more creative, but maybe a little bit afraid to do it. Could you Mm -hmm. pray for us? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are creative personified, that you are all creative. I pray Lord that uh, for those that are listening to this podcast, that if they think, well, you don't know me, you might know I'm not that creative. I pray God that you would lift the lid kind of off their minds and give them the ability to dream bigger than they've ever dreamt before, to explore new avenues of creativity, to not think like everyone else does. Lord, that you would impart to all of us the mind of Christ, the creative mind of Christ. And Lord, for those who are battling with fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of not doing it right, fear of not being enough, fear of saying, well, if I put myself out there, I'm going to get hurt. I pray, Lord, that you would deliver us from fear, that you would impart your spirit of love, of power and of a sound mind. And Lord, that you would cause right now creative ideas for new businesses, dreams, songs, books, ways to parent, ways to dress, ways to live life on earth, creative ways that you would impart that and release it now in Jesus' name, that we would see a wave of creativity across this world um, come out of those who love you, Lord, in ways that they've never experienced before. So I speak release of creativity across the nations in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go.